2: Greetings, you've landed at the VUC IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from Onsip. You can go to getonsip.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge. On. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, e.me, on the web, hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from VoxBone.com. Yep, welcome to VUC 548. Look, net split time. What, it looks like it's all from Matrix, too. Is that possible? Anyway, uh, Michael is going to help me out by showing our events calendar so we can uh, get through that. First off, actually not first off, right? ClueCon. Oh, yes, it is. August, sorry. August 6th, QLive announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, ClueCon will be happening in Chicago August 3rd through 6th, 2015. And you... Most people go to both. I know who is going to either Astrakhan or Klucon is actually going to both. So, good idea. I wish I could go. I'd, I'd love to go back to Chicago. The suspects will be there, James and company. Uh, then we're going to move on to Astrakhan, which is, of course, something you won't want to miss. closer to Europe. It's in the Universal Properties at uh, Orlando, o- October 13th to 15th. The two beers have just, I don't know what happened to them, but they're gone. Fred's uh, going to AstraCon. Can you see that? Who is? Fred. Fred is going to astra No, I'm really sorry. I'm We're still going. Oh, there it is. Fred's going to AstraCon. Where else can you do uh, voice over IP and ride on the Hogwarts Express? <laughs> Indeed. All right. Move over to, by the way, if you want to call us on those famous Voxbone numbers, James, you will check out the UK and see if it's OK. In the U.S., 646 475 And in the United Kingdom, look on your screen. Uh, that would be 0203-051-6955. Is it okay or not? No, I have got that yet. It's never been right. And, uh, of course, you can check vuc.me slash vox for uh, the numbers in something like 36 different cities that we're doing this in. So, here I am in a second. There we go. And we've got... Oh my. We have a terrific panel with us today, as always. And I figured, what what would be better than to get a bunch of Brits from the U.K. and, uh, I don't know, they're all, yeah, they're all there, they're all home, uh, to celebrate Independence Day while we're waiting. Ah, Jerry's with us, so that's good. We have one American located who is coming. This is the big news. And uh, I see Dan Jenkins on IRC. Hello, Dan. And uh, somebody, I'm not getting on IRC. Anyway, Jerry, very long time no see. You got audio? We need to get a report from you doing But while you're working that out, since uh, you're not ready to speak yet, of course, we got James and Andy. Uh, Keith and I were talking, and we're talking about different mobiles. Keith mentioned, and uh, you can tell us a little bit more about this, Keith. Where did you hear this? That there's a rumor of, um, of a new Nexus 5. They're going to refresh back one of my favorite phones.
3: Yeah, um, obviously, the uh, Nexus 5 was sort of discontinued or removed from the uh, Google Play Store and a number of right. other outlets ago, I think. And um, a lot of people kind of um, were sad about that, including myself. Yeah. Um, I've had Nexus 5 now for quite a while and been a very happy user of it. But there are rumours flying around on the Grapevine that there is a plan for a refreshed model uh, to be launched, probably this year, still rumours at the moment, um, but quite a lot of weight behind them. Um, and that the refreshed model would be perhaps Huawei um, rather than uh, LG, who who did the original. Right. Um, not a huge amount of detail on it. Um, it would be increased memory, increased uh, processing power, similar size screen, uh, similar size sort of form factor. I heard it, I've heard of various things about Edinburgh, in but obviously the, um, the kind of key thing that they would be pushing on it would be Android M because that's around about the time that Android right. Emma is being launched.
2: Anything about fingerprints? Obviously the flavor of the week, so... Uh...
3: Um, I've not heard anything about fingerprint scanner on that. I have heard there's a potential update to the 6 with the fingerprint scanner on be until next year. Um, I don't, it
4: it seems, seems to me that the 6, uh, the Nexus 6, that is, sort of... They were playing catch-up a little bit to Samsung with the Galaxy Series, whereas the, the 5 was actually a preferable form factor. In fact, I actually like the Nexus 4 in terms of form factor.
3: The 4 but, is wonderful. Uh, About one, one, it tends to overheat quite a lot. And two, if you put it down on any surface, unless that surface is completely flat, it will slide off because it is such a slippy
4: well, and that the glass backs on them tended to break a lot. As witness, mine's got—you probably can't see it—but it's got a carbon fiber skin on the back to yeah. hold the cracked glass back together.
3: But they are lovely. I mean, this is a Nexus 4. You can tell by the yeah. sparkly back. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are lovely phones. But I say you put them down and they—they they slide. It's yeah, but it was cool. exactly
4: the right—the right form factor for mm-hmm. a telephone, where even the half inch bigger that the Nexus 5 is, or the Nexus—the Nexus 6 is bigger yet. Just gets to be a little too big for us, so I'm yeah. I'm quite keen that they do a, a refresh of the Nexus 5 because I would I would certainly go for that. Hmm.
2: And we've talked about this before. My own opinion is five and a half. I think six would be too big. Five is okay. Nexus five was one of my favorite phones. That's uh, the, probably the best phone I owned before the one I have now, which is. Wanted to mention also that the OnePlus Two is coming out. A lot of people are getting really irritated with the the kind of buzz that they create. Chinese company, and uh, as uh, James would agree, because uh, you know people at Huawei, I think, and th- I th- that whole com- that whole company culture is very very different from the West. It uh, Doesn't um, mean there's anything wrong with it, by the way. It's just that it's different, and they don't get certain things. OnePlus has done a couple of whack. Am I crazy? This is my senior mind thinking. They did something like almost a wet t-shirt contest <laughs> they did some whack women and that created a big stir and then they backed down on it the
1: Chinese companies always get themselves into deep water at Mobile World Congress by yep. having beautiful young ladies in models that they know very little about
2: I'm not opposed to that though but uh, at any rate yeah they do crazy things so this this launch I just want to mention that this lady, the OnePlus 2 does have a fingerprint scanner is that the right? Are they actually called yeah, scanners? I that the OnePlus 2 is going to be made available on the UK Network 3. And that's good. Oh, OnePlus 2 is 3. That's, that's logical, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, I, feel, I feel very boring here because I only have a brace of these. I know, I know. Is that? And a real hat.
3: I have an iPhone 3 ceiling, that is. <laughs> and I've got an iPhone
2: 4. I have a 4, not an S, just a 4. Uh, where is that thing, by the way? I don't know I've where. I've got is a Nokia. Oh, that's a cracking phone, the Nokia Rasha. We need to find out who has the oldest phone okay. oh, within, within that you can reach right now. Right who now, has, right? Okay. Yeah. Who has the oldest phone you can reach right now? I've got to get the key. Yeah, you, we'll wait. We'll wait, Jerry. Unmute and tell us what you've been doing. You were working on. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> Keith. I think you may almost. I can't see the year, but uh, it's flip it's phone. A I do
0: M. Oh yeah, definitely. I've, now, I've the got a Nokia 3,200 in one of these drawers
2: so. I think I love you, though.
4: Just a second. Oh, BlackBerry Pearl is the oldest I'm still hanging on to. Well,
2: if you're going to go that way, I also have a Pilot Four mm. or three. Sorry. on a phone.
0: Well, without moving out of the out of the chair, I can't go any older than, than an uh, iPhone Five, I'm afraid.
2: Wow, that's that's ridiculous. That's not even. Just no. a second. Let me let me see if I can grab this.
4: Actually, I saw uh, there was an article, an interesting article posted the other day was sort of the, uh, how to put it, it was like the top five coolest phones that weren't smartphones, and uh, there were a few things listed there, or, or there, there were, you know, before, as it were, and uh, it ended with the N97, uh, it, except they, I kind of take issue with it being included on that list, because I don't think they sold more than like 12 of those. <laughs>
0: Nearly all of those to R and D departments.
4: All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I I remember thinking that that was a really cool looking phone, but by the time they actually made it over to there was, uh, there was no carrier support, and uh, uh, Fry's was the only one carrying them. Okay.
2: So who who wins between me and Keith on this? There's this, right? Nokia flipped close Nokia to maker. what he has, but wait till he gets back, Keith. Uh, who wins, you or me on this one? It's a Nokia flip. I don't model. Uh, I can't visibly see. But I think I might win with my candy bar.
0: You muted, Keith.
2: Oh, yeah. That's a 5200, is it? The candy bar? The candy bar wins, don't you?
0: No, I can get some. That, come on. You could do better? Oh, come on, you have to go inside and look.
2: Well, that's okay. That's well, no, okay. I'm
0: outside. I don't leave. What about
2: that? Does it go on, though? Does it go on? Look, okay. hold on. No, the battery I had a Motorola. And it actually goes on. See, wait a minute, if I can get the. screen.
1: Well, it's not really surprising. It's been underneath my desk for the last eight years. <laughs> Only eight? Yeah. This oh, is there's like no SIM. I see two AT. You know what one of those is?
0: Okay. Uh, just before we go any further, gentlemen, um, there is a request on IRC from Laurie. He says the order of the computer is low. Could we shout, please?
4: <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's Hello, great. Speaking of requests from IRC, hey, you Matrix guys, stop monkeying with our IRC. Again. Really, they're flooding it with... Uh... I, it, well, it's, it's, it's... They've got... For every person who joins <coughs> IRC, they have some kind of a parallel something that joins person, and we've reached the, the channel limit. Uh,
2: yeah, the we're function. pretty much flooded. Uh, if I show Anybody, you... back to devices.
4: Anybody tell me what this is?
0: 800. N-800. That was what?
4: N-800. 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 That was like... That was, like, that was the... the it was, it was a tablet PC, right? Before iPhones. Or before. Yeah, and this is fucked stuff in its day. Who's that? that, that was, you know what that is? That's the resting place of Symbian. Hold on. But this is not Symbian. Oh, it's not? Okay. Oh, no, this is uh, Linux-based. See, yeah, I, I, the three. Was, I was looking forward to trying the N97, but it never made it over here. That came over n 90 after that N800. Oh, I got right. one of those, those somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I bet all there's UK people. guys. You all were Nokia fans at that point in time.
3: Well, Nokia were brilliant. Over there. They were the, by far the best phones in the uh, in the yeah. late nineties and early two thousands, in my view.
4: My, my former employers <laughs> used the N9000. five thousand.
3: The CNI of that.
1: No, this is a, 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 an E seventy
4: folding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my former employers had the N nine thousand communicator, which was also.
3: Sorry, yes, <laughs> you're right hand.
4: Like you could hit somebody with it.
3: This this was a brilliant phone. The, the E70 was a brilliant phone. I actually... <laughs> I, did some work for, I did some work for BT Twin. in their operations centre for about a year, and for the first three months of it, because the, their operations centre has no signal, um I used my laptop, and the only thing, way I could use email was to actually go outside and, and do it on this.
1: <laughs> brilliant. And I, I hope you had uh, phones installed. Well, not, you didn't even have worked, because it was all native... In those good
4: old
2: days. Anyway, I was still going with wacky phones. What about that? Sure.
4: It's from Metro PCS. Oh, I don't know what that was.
2: PCS. That, wasn't that a
4: technology? Metro PCS before was, a small car- was a small carrier here in the US. It's now owned by somebody else.
3: Didn't they use the same technology as the Rabbit phone and the original one to one stuff?
4: No, it wasn't quite. A- <laughs> well, Sprint, uh, Sprint's first in the street was PCS. Look
2: what I got! Verizon. Mm. A,
0: oh oh oh. Verizon. There's, some, there's something about a flip phone, you know. There is just something fun end of phone calls.
2: Dot. Yeah, click.
1: Yeah, they always went down
2: well in America. Yeah, when you yeah. see on TV, you see somebody on TV going.
4: <laughs> but that that was like that goes back to Star Trek, though.
2: Way yeah. back. Well, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Leave me up, squirrel. So watch, right? Uh, and the watch, as Keith was saying uh, before we actually went on air, uh, you you can watch your, you can look at your watch your watch uh, here, for example, and it's it's very handy and all that. But um, if you don't use the Google messaging client, which I don't, answer SMSs, which was pretty cool before. So you could just tap your watch and go, yeah, okay, or you know some simple. Uh, Thing, but I you I think you have to be mounts or whatever their messaging app is to in yeah. order to do that. But just, but, just, but it is useful. Last, last week,
1: an oyster watch. Oyster watch. An oyster, not a pebble.
3: Pebble. Not an oyster, it's like a oyster Rolex. Rolex.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right. Not an oyster. No, it's a pebble. Oyster. Worth, it didn't work. It didn't boot. So I had to take it back. Disappointing.
2: You got it's a pebble.
4: Isn't the pebble? It's the bam bam. Because I was always whacking <laughs> the watch against the desk I was working on and trashing them, so I just gave up on wearing them. I'm not. I don't. I'm not, to be honest.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I want a connected hearing aid.
4: Actually, hearing hearing aids are um, yeah. that's an area of technology
0: that's fast evolving.
3: And getting, Bluetooth hearing aids getting much better. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, i, I I wasn't actually sure that they existed, but uh, I would uh, probably put money on them existing. But something certainly, as I, as I get older, and we'd, both James and I have noticed this over the last uh, few months, is that when you're in a really noisy area, it's actually quite difficult to hear out somebody's conversation.
4: What's that, Mister Smith?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know what? It
4: also tends also tends to come with married men. But that's
0: another. <laughs> uh, yes, selective <so> <laughs> hearing—that's slightly different.
4: <laughs> uh, that, no, that, the only difference—the only difference is the the application of intellect to the process of hearing. But um, the Adamotic, uh, who have a long history of making um, test equipment for audiologists and also in ear monitors, mm-hmm. they they have a lovely thing on their consumer wired headsets for uh, smartphones, where. They have an app that you can run on your smartphone, and it will selectively blend in a user-definable amount of ambience. There's our no- noise-reducing headsets, but if you're riding a bicycle or something like that, it can alert you to the fact that there's you know, traffic around you or whatnot.
3: Yeah, I think really um, my daughter's um, hearing aids, they come with like a remote control unit, which actually allows you to do that on the remote control unit. And it, that, that, I think the, the Bluetooth actually works with in the remote control, directly to the hearing aids. But she's always using it, she uses it with her laptop, she uses it with, with her phone, everything.
1: Well, you know, perhaps we ought to do a piece one week about um, audio devices for people like Andy and I uh, who are getting slightly
2: senior. That, that was quite interesting. Have you changed uh, spectacles, James? I have. What do you the other ones are. Are
4: Or do you not usually
2: have them? Think
4: about it this way. There's a lot of that augmented reality in terms of visual overlays and stuff, heads-up displays kinds of things, but I think that actually it, it it's going to be more immediately useful in terms of helping people with, with uh, hearing problems, yeah. Absolutely.
0: I see you're getting in the clue spirit there, James.
1: With my astronauts. but the problem is when I put these in on, I can't see anything on my screen. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. i this back off again. See whether I can make my screen
4: a little bit brighter as well. That's one drawback about being outside, isn't it? So, a question for you, James. FCC decision last week that you, you might have some insight on, or maybe not, but we'll ask it anyway. Um, so, the FCC decided that smaller telephony providers need to have, di- or should be able to have direct access to DIDs, which means that the uh, big ILex have to kind of make them a. Um, within the U.S. How how do you think that stands to impact a companies that were in the middle market there uh, reselling DIDs to smaller providers? and kind of Well,
1: well clearly it's bad news for them. because means everything else. Yeah. The, the cost of U.S. DIDs is going to go even lower. lower at the moment anyway. I don't see anywhere to
4: delete it. I was just sort of wondering for, you know, Didx and Voxbone and some folks who are... Kind of playing with that, it maybe uh, maybe it has potential to.
0: I don't quite see it that way, you know. I mean, it, it depends how big you are. You are going to have to be quite large to to uh, to want to go through the pain of setting up on tracks and finding ways of doing this and creating tools to make it happen.
1: Yeah, and these days, I, just having a DID is only one tiny part of the car PSDN service. So you probably want to buy other services along there, uh, alongside it as well, like. Um, the um, SMS capability, um, emergency calling, lawful interception, all those kind of bits and pieces. So just having a number on its own is of limited use, I would suggest.
4: So so does the mandate, does this maybe mean that then uh, the opportunity is for some of these people who are in that space already to maybe subcontract that effort on the part of big ILACs, who maybe don't want to be bothered with that business but now have this regulatory compliance issue?
1: I don't really understand what it's all about, because it never was difficult to get numbers anyway. I mean, you get numbers through multiple sources, so and in, in uh, a number of circumstances, they come totally free. So, you know, where's the big beef here? I mean, it's nothing really exciting, is it? Unless I've missed something.
4: Well, I don't know. Somebody must have petitioned for it, so there has to be some motivation somewhere, and I'm not sure that is. It would be nice maybe to get um, get somebody who's a little more in touch with the issue to come talk to us about it. It's
2: worth mentioning, Fred uh, just typed in on IRC, my big FCC mandate is the potential for the FCC to bring bigger taxes to the smaller guys instead of letting them pass it through to their carrier. And that's actually a good point.
4: Mm. Just, you know, because folks like ONSIP are getting DIDs kind of through third parties because that was how it was done traditionally. And now, it seems to me it's got to be an annoyance for the Verizons and the AT&Ts of the world. But.
1: Yeah. It's always been possible to get uh, local ranges of numbers relatively easily. The trick is getting a complete set of U.S. numbers, because you have to uh, jump through hoops in order to get a complete set. And, of course, most people want uh, numbers that are local to where they live, as opposed to just random numbers in Washington State or wherever.
2: Hey, as we have a contingent with us, I'd like to read you something and get your opinions on it. this is from the people at ind.ie, Indie Movement. And just a very quick read on a letter I got from them today. It says, hello everyone, there's no Friday roundup as Laura and I are packing. As you may have heard, we decided to leave the UK following the re-election of the Tories and David Cameron's pledge to ask for back doors in messaging applications, scrap the Human Rights Act, and bring back the snoopers. Uh, then the rest is more personal, but... Interesting. Anybody have any comments on that? Is anybody following that? I think Keith, you might be. I don't know about James and Andy, but uh, uh, is this serious? This Cameron thing about well, uh, we're going to make encryption illegal and all that. Where is this going?
3: I think it's a, I think it's silly for a number of reasons. First of all, you out the bottle, right? Um, for anybody who is u- going to use it for illegal means, it's not going to stop them from continuing to use. Um, the strong encryption that's available and open source in a lot of cases, um, which, um, you know, you, you can't mandate people, criminals, to use to use weakened technology. It's just not going to happen. So what's going to happen potentially is if this goes through, is that everybody will be using the weakened technology and everyone who's actually the criminals is going to be using the stronger stuff. So it defeats the point. The other issue is using weakened technology. It is by definition weakened if, if if the British government and GCHQ can read it, so can so potentially can the Russians and Chinese and everything. So the question then becomes, should we be weakening the technology or putting back doors in um, to you know when when it potentially exposes us to all of the you know other people getting access to it, not just not just the uh, the British government and GCHQ.
2: So a little bit the argument of the if outlaw if guns are outlawed only outlaws will have guns. I'm not saying it's good or bad, just that it's kind of the same concept.
3: It's, it's similar. Um, I think there's a different difference with guns is that you've actually got a supply chain thing there. If I mean, without getting into gun law things which are very controversial, I think uh, America's different because there are so many guns there. But if you actually look at Australia when they outlawed guns, then basically the street price of, of, of weapons. Around about five thousand dollars a hand a, a, a firearm to around about thirty or forty thousand dollars. So to actually get hold of a, an illegal firearm in America now is actually really difficult to do. But because they're physical things and you have to trade them. But encryption isn't like that. Encryption technology is there. It's open source. Sure. Anybody up for free. And quite frankly, it's not going to be practical for the government to completely block. Access to it.
1: That's true. The, the legislation that's being uh, suggested is actually less rigorous than the legislation that's been in place in France for the last what, 25 years. Um, are you suffering, uh, Randy, in
2: France? No, uh, well, I thought that that got knocked out. Uh, what you're talking about may be related to when what? When T first got networking or Windows. Uh, no, it, what, was the Windows, what was the first Windows with networks already? I can't, I can't remember. 3. Windows for work groups. Windows for work groups. Okay, when they exported, that was the export law from the United States that you could not export strong encryption to maybe to anywhere. I don't know. Well, then we didn't have encryption. Hey, I didn't know what encryption
4: was, and neither did anybody else.
2: <laughs> basically, but I, I tell you, you didn't need but it in problem, those days.
4: No, not really. The problem with the problem with encryption is a, a backdoor in an encryption system is only useful if nobody knows that it's there. Right. Because if people if people know that it's there, then they're simply not going to use that. And exactly. so, mandating its use, you haven't accomplished anything because it won't it won't be used by anybody who you want to be using it, and the people who do uh, who do use it people you 're interested in anyway in pa- by passing that law exactly
3: well, and, just- and the oh. principle of it I think is flawed because um, you know the class A and the n s a gathering of data and when they were actually queried about it, they turned around oh yeah we sold we solved and helped solve you know loads of crimes and potential when they were actually pushed on this. It turned out to be you know the number of the number of terrorists um, quote terrorist attempts was about two or three or something like that and, and even then when you actually looked at them they only loosely categorised them as terrorist attacks so you look at the motivation of it because you know, if you're spending this sort of thing could cost an awful lot of money to, to implement um, it requires you know a lot of the money that's invested like the NSA and G- GCHQ and actually very little of it it's actually that uh, more effective compared with the existing uh, legal intercept that, that we've largely got.
4: It is, in fact, an industrial example of how um, of, of the electoral reality that you you can make an argument by playing upon people's fears more so than by putting forth an intellectual argument and hoping that they understand. And, and but that's you know, the industrial reality. That aspect of a military-industrial complex, just by saying, not so much laying out the facts of this is what we've saved you from, but saying, oh, there are boogeymen out there,
0: and you know. yeah. structured paranoia, really, in, in in so many ways. And as far as I'm concerned, the, the whole thing, looking at it, at it from a political point of view, they've either readily badly advised, which is plausible, but. At the same time, I can't quite see that. Or they are indeed playing the the, the scaredy cat um, card. More powers for whatever reason, and I I I, I really cannot see what the reason is. I, the the only thing I know is that I despise our home. Passion.
2: Well, they do seem to be pretty clueless. A, a thought that just occurred to me: most things that happen, you can you can go back years, two thousand years. You can go back to ancient Rome before Christ, whatever you want, and you will have uh, models of those things. For example, social networks. Before social networks, for centuries, people gathered around uh, water coolers, or before then, there was always Agora and all of that. But when you get into encryption, there were codes uh, back in the day, but nothing very efficient. And today, it's hard to picture, say, even 100 years ago, anything that... That resembles this this problem that we have today, which is, are we the problem that everybody has today, including gushes? Oh, well, how do we know what everybody's saying anymore? And the answer is, well, you can't for reasons that everybody has just put out. Uh, that that people who know what they're doing are going to be able to get ocean anyway. And as far as the pronouncements of various governments, they seem to be extremely clueless. And you would think that they would ask for or seek out better counsel. I don't understand why they're not.
4: I would give you to the argument that we are more at risk from clueless governing bodies.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. The, um, I mean, I would the analogy I would use, and it's a kind of far-fetched analogy, but I don't think it's a million miles, is if, if the government turned around and said, but, um, and we're kind of not that far away from it now, actually, but the government said we want to put CCTV, including audio monitoring, on on every lamppost in the UK, and even maybe, say, in every public... Um, in every public uh, sort of, sort of speaking, um, sort of meeting place, so we want to have an audio monitoring of everything that goes on there, because, you know, some terrorists might go and have a little huddle in a pub and decide to 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 do something, and we need to be able to have the ability to record those and, and so on and so forth. I don't think that's actually much different from what they're proposing with the encryption. Um, it's it's a massive, potentially a massive invasion of privacy, but also, and if it's anything like what they previously done, then it's not um, one which is subject to any judicial oversight. It's just something that they give to the security service to say, have fun, go and play with this. Um, and, and also there's this massive potential for it to be uh, abused either by people working within that industry, because there's no oversight, by people hacking into that infrastructure and using it. Yeah.
2: Dan, Dan Jenkins made an excellent suggestion, which was to uh, ping OI, uh I know Ule is usually busy, but I did email him, and I did uh, send him uh, an IM, so we'll see if we can get him in here, because he, that's true that he would, his input would be in.
1: <laughs> so anyway, what else can we talk about? How about
2: uh, Google 5? All right, what about Google 5? How is that going to work in the UK, by the way? It needs two providers right, and two carriers, right? Um, well,
1: I think we know who one of them is serving, yes. Three? Which is going to be three, the obvious people to peer with. Um Phi, by the way, is just a, a data sim which then uses um what's we'll
4: data service. So that's that I mean that's right in your wheelhouse, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff that you've been you've been doing for a long time. Uh yes it is. I'm not gonna say anything more about that at this stage. Strange, <laughs> <laughs> strange
2: Well I find it odd that they're gonna be in, they're gonna bring Phi when they've ten years to bring Google Voice to the UK and they kept promising it all this time and they never have.
4: Yeah, but you know, but it, it seems that disparate Google services are desperate doesn't disparate Google services. Mm-hmm. And, also- and there is a reason why they haven't made it to UK.
1: And that is it's difficult because the PSTM works and they're completely over here in the rest of the world, so it does the way it does in North America.
3: Well, especially if, the billing.
1: Well yeah the billing is just one, one tiny part of it. You know, the trunk signaling is totally different. Uh, North America uses ANSI. We use yeah, you.
3: Yeah, but those things are dealable. I think they just kind of, they struggle with so many of, of dialing plan, of billing um, regulatory regimes, billing kind of schemes. Um, I think they're just deterioration for them too. Yeah. And
1: the funny thing is, if you talk to an American uh, about billing reasons, they will swear blind that called party pays I the best way of doing it yeah. they've, they've, been, they've been programmed oh yeah because this is the way we do it well, um, got to be the best but it isn't
3: well that's the same all the way over I mean I used to do stuff and I worked with a couple of companies in the late 90s Teleglobe and um, AboveNet and a few others and their their perception of how the internet works was was basic very quick and when they came and said we're gonna do we're gonna start rolling rolling out these points of presence and maps and stuff like that based on this commercial model across, across Europe and we went, yeah um, we, we've got open peering points and it doesn't work the same way and they were, well, oh, no, no, it must work the same way no, it doesn't work the same way they had no idea
1: Do planet rest in the world?
3: Yeah Americans. Anyway Yeah,
4: yeah. I, I mean, Phi I, is interesting uh, yeah, What I'm looking forward to is a day when we, we don't concern ourselves with its voice or its data, it's just data just charge me some nominal flat rate per, per megabyte or whatever, and, and the voice part is just a part of that data flow. And
3: well, that's the arguably what LTE is, but the thing is then you're still relying on somebody to service, so it is. it will probably for some time still be charged on a per-minute voice basis, even though it's actually a service running over the top of the
4: yeah, but you know what? I, 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 at that point, you know, you're spending more on metering it to bill it, metering and billing, than you are on delivering the service, and they just shut that all off.
2: Who is char- who is metering voice anyway? Now I don't I don't think any of the carriers here in France do. It's all unlimited everything. Well, they will. Be to, well, let, wait, let me let me correct that because I just saw a poster today for something. So for six euros a month. You have unlimited voice because nobody uses well, young people nobody. Uses it more, but I'm sure the SMSs, the text messages, are probably pretty expensive. I didn't, you know, take stop and read the whole thing. But on your basic plans that cost oh, about 20 to 25 pounds a month yeah. uh, here, uh, it's everything unlimited except data, and data might be between three and 20 gigs depending on your plan. Yeah, absolutely, I
3: mean the, the the unlimited part is limited is limited in itself. Restricted to certain types of call, so it would, it would typically be national calling, right? Cover things like premium rate, obviously, wouldn't cover certain things like the UK uh, national rate calling numbers, like right. um, 0845. And it wouldn't cover international.
2: Well, affairs. wait a minute. Let me, let me say two things, uh, James. Excuse me for interrupting you, but just because it's right on point. First of all, we do have unlimited international on both mobile, uh, terrestrial, well, uh, void oh, really?
3: Okay, wow. Uh,
2: for 110 destinations. So that's a lot of places you can call. But when I, went, when I was in Liz I called TAP, the airline, because my... my my flight was canceled, and they never answered. And I had sixty euros on their... On their v- yeah, so that's that's a uh, premium number, and it was not indicated as a premium number, by the way. But I mean, I'm not going to go back to Lisbon to try to fight that. So the carrier, my carrier refuses to make an effort. So they billed me sixty euros for that call. Yeah,
1: you should have been warned, you're done in The premium absolutely. Order. I think
2: it's. I even think it may be European law, but. In any case, there in Portugal, there was no indication that this was a surtax uh, thing. Anyway, James, I, I, I cut you off. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the tariffing model, the business model for mobile bundles it is changing. and I think given a couple of years, we're going to see a situation where the mobile operators are going to be charging for bundles of applications or certain functionality uh, or a base access plan. And then once you've got that at that, that all the voice minutes or the SMS are going to be free. And probably as we move into LTE, the base um, level of data access free as well. Note that you will pay if you want to up the quality of service. Um, and the reason that you'll have basic rate data free is that the operators will want to operate their, their data networks at 100% all the time. And the reason they want to do that is because it costs them the same uh, as, it, as it does full, but also when it's full, it maximizes the opportunity to upsell our
4: uh, quality of service upgrades. So, so selling essentially what our network management functions in the yeah. QoS delivery. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so um, if you're not getting ex-
4: counter that. to the counter to the QoS concepts that are being foisted on the public now with respect to wireline, anyway.
1: Exactly. I mean, if, if you're not bothered about how quickly your your end, you, you can just pay nothing. But if you want to do a, a, a nailed-up video session like we're doing at the moment, then you're going to have to pay because we um, won't get the quality of service and it won't work.
3: And that, that's, that's interesting mo- that's always been a problem with the internet mo- in general is that people have tried to sell premium packages based on quality of service. But when the network's empty, it's very difficult to sell that because you're getting that anyway by default.
1: <laughs> exactly. So so because of that, the mobile network offerings are going to up the uh, networks, and the way you do that is you just give away for free.
4: Hasn't there been sort of a, uh, a pre-existing model for people who were selling MPLS service previously, and that if you wanted to put up a big high-end video conferencing system, you would get um, a bandwidth-assured MPLS connection from a large provider, international provider?
1: But it didn't really work because... because um, the difference in quality between a sort of a non-quas circuit bandwidth and uh and a, i don't know a two, 2048 two megabits per second uh now the mpls circuit is pretty negligible these days in most cases you can get away with uh uh with 99.99 of the time with a cheaper uh fatter pipe um works
3: of course, the, um, the real cost to the carriers longer term is the uh, up, upstream transit pipe. So you want to keep filling that up and upgrading it when the traffic's free. So I suggest what they'll probably do is keep their encourage it for free, but have a um, capacity out to, the, out to the internet to maintain congestion. And then if you go for the premium, you probably end up on a different uh, transit pipe.
1: Yeah, upstreams. How is my upstream video working at the moment on my LTE, putting it up my umbrella up above me? It's pretty is, is nice. It breaking up?
3: It's, uh, it's frighteningly uh, vivid. <laughs> yeah,
1: <excellent.
3: laughs> well, thank you
1: for that, Keith.
2: Thank Don't be fooled by my boyish uh, little looks.
0: You've been counting your hairs, James. It's all right. Here, as here's as an,
2: fun, another uh, thing that's Eurocentric, by the way. So Europe, to put an end to phone roaming charges by 2017, charges are set to be scrapped within the European Union from June 2017. Yawn, yawn, yawn. Well, some companies have been doing that for years. <laughs> In
1: bundle, 66 countries, yawn, 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 yawn.
2: We don't need to regulate But it is good news compared to what comes out of government, right? Especially federated governments. Uh, no, not really. I mean... I think we prefer it
1: if uh, if they didn't regulate, then can then vote with their with their wallets and choose who they want to choose, like certain networks who do in bundle. True phone. sixty countries in one bundle.
0: It seems we're in uniform this afternoon, James. <laughs> I Are see. That? Not? Yes, well,
1: yeah, I, well, it's our true phone. uh here, isn't it? Off the hot. Anyway, I cannot just very quickly go back to Fire. I just checked my status in the UK 5Q, and I have been told that I should expect an invite in about three weeks' time. Uh, and it says we're sending a small number of Project Fi invites uh, to UK users, but rest assured that you're on our list. So there we are. And I think I'm about number 7,000 on their list in the UK, so it be about 2,000 a week, something like that.
4: Somewhere in Phi, we have to find a foe and a fum, because we know there's a fee.
2: So, um, when will that be rolled out to other? Fo- what is this? What's stopping them other than arbitrary limiting the rollout and maybe the N six?
1: Well, listen to this. This is interesting.
2: It mm-hmm. says here that
1: uh, you'll be able to get international data without roaming fees in over countries. That, that I, I like. A- Please check our international rates for information on specific countries. If you travel to 120-plus countries, Mm -hmm. data usage will cost the same, $10 per gigabyte, as in the U.S. That's not bad. But, uh, note, data speeds are limited. To 128K. (laughs) (laughs) 256K. Uh,
2: Well, let's face it. Really, is it reasonable... To want to watch video, I mean, extended video on your mobile phone in another country.
3: Reading. Yes, I think it is ultimately. Yeah. Well, it,
2: I think. Yes. Well, I mean, I, free
3: though?
1: Is it reasonable to do video broadcasts from the beach in Italy whilst on holiday? Of course,
2: of course it is. is the BUC, of Randy. Well, it, it is in that exceptional case, yeah. Yeah, we've got to get our priorities right, haven't we? Yeah. No, but, but I mean,
1: this. You
3: know, why, why is it any less reasonable to do that when you're on a train in sort of going, you know, or sitting on the station at Waterloo?
2: Exactly. Well, in this country, if you're on a train, you're not going to get any kind of speed. I mean, you, you get H plus or H, but it lasts, you know, for a few minutes and then you're on a tower and it's not Can happening. Just pause for a second and just consider how amazing it is that
1: I'm sitting here on my patio in the middle of the. The, the tree side, in an area of outstanding natural beauty yeah. where for the last 20 years there's been no mobile phone coverage and I'm talking to you <laughs> with video TE how amazing is that?
0: What's even more amazing is you don't even know where the mast is it's that
1: far well, away well, I, I think I do uh, because nobody else knows about it yet um, Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the other thing
2: as soon as everybody's on LTE in your neighborhood, you'll see that quality, that the speeds will go way down.
1: A tiny, tiny signal strength. But because nobody else knows about it or is on it, um, it's working. And as soon as everybody else yeah. switches on the fact it's here, and I'm just going chase a chicken, who's picking up my wife's flowers.
4: That's what is that what, MPL, that's what MPLS means in Ch- cases? case. My, my private LTEs.
2: Chasing okay. a
3: chicken, is that euphemism?
2: I don't understand why James can't put Wi-Fi access repeaters in all those chickens. Chicken. Uh, I think the, the cable might. I might have difficulty interfacing the cable with the chicken. Well, that would be microwave. You can you can barbecue them at the same time.
3: A, it just, it's a wireless yeah. mesh.
2: Oh, mesh. What's this, Randy? Answer. Oh, it's a microwave. Ah,
3: okay. Oh. <laughs> just <laughs> oh, do it as a wireless mesh. You just need to find a way of uh, harnessing yeah, okay. the energy of the chicken running around. To power a little <laughs> Raspberry Pi or something. Yeah,
0: there you go. It's a Michael, way. I've, ju- I've, ju- I've just checked where your four G must so, uh, over you know where it is. Yes.
2: ditch, I think, is it? Uh,
0: it? It's close to a village that I go through if I take the bottom road.
2: Aren't there? Uh, show you where the towers are. Yeah, yeah but they're not up to date. And according to the, um, they're not up to date. Is that
1: what you said? Yeah, the EE coverage map says that I uh, there's no coverage. Well, you were
3: until two days ago. <laughs> what does OpenSignal say?
1: Um, well, bearing in mind I'm the only person who ever contributes to OpenSignal, it'll say what I say it
2: says.
0: And you're not going to tell him. So. <laughs> you're not going to tell him.
1: Yeah,
2: he doesn't want to say
0: anything.
1: It's our secret. Don't tell him. my own private LTE
2: cell. <laughs> Don't tell them. Like. Let's see if we get Dave Michael before we go. Is Dave Michael's on. Well, I see his, uh...
1: Come in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah,
2: really. How's the in uh, Colorado? Not here, man. You call home later. Mm. Oh, he's on. <laughs> yeah. I'll just send him the link. DM. Otherwise left, we could just open it to the world, right? On this community, anyway.
4: So did, did you get, did the Matrix guys actually uh, withdraw their, uh, on our IRC channel, or how did that play? I
2: out? don't know what happened there.
4: It, it stopped. Really? Um, oh, okay. Uh,
2: yeah. So I'll we get off the matrix and, and ask Matthew. Why? Yeah, I sent him an invite, but uh, the invites are still work not working very well, and people don't look or care anyway. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, is he on? Let's see. I don't see any M. He would be. anybody from the Free Switch team on? I got asked uh, Ken, but. Uh, i i wrote to him but you know free switch has gotten so much in the last few days that i figured we would need to give him a rest well i got a, i got a rather puzzling um you know i invited luca but he couldn't make it luca luca unpronounceable last name
0: works for luca one-on-one in, Ger- in germany
4: Luca one-to-one no he works on one-on-one I, I thought, no no i thought he worked for i thought he worked for blackberry still no um, well,
2: strangely enough, I couldn't be saying all this actually since we're I public. I to look at this morning and he's case to watch this space. Well, he's on Wire, so obviously we spoke to him. He yeah,
4: actually, um, he uh, remarked on Wire that uh, he made his first. Uh, or he was using the Wire Android app on his. Passport. Uh, Fine. And then uh, Jim Courtney called me last evening also from Wire, the Wire Android app on the Passport. I thought it you guys had already had a call, Michael. We did, but but he was using something else. I think ah, he was using... Okay. I, I'm not sure exactly what he was using. Well, about.
2: any chance to, to mention the passport, right? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Leave it to certain Canadians to, yeah, uh, you know, you. to to go forward with the BlackBerry story. All right, so... We Lucas,
0: not, not Luca. Lucas. Lucas.
2: Lucas. Who's Lucas? Lucas. But
0: those, Lucas. From uh, we met him at Camellio
2: World. Well, that's, yeah,
1: okay. Oh, that's do you want secret. to hear where we were? Um, yesterday, yesterday? Oh, yesterday, Sofia. We were in Sofia. Your favourite person, Randy, the lovely, the beautiful, the intelligent, the empathic. My favourite person at Zoa, Zo- yes. <laughs> and the almost as empathic and lovely person who goes with him, Mira. So. In fact, Zoa was amazing. had him on the VUC. He was on two crutches and clearly in a in a lot of discomfort. Uh, so imagine our, d- our surprise when we landed at Sofia Airport and up should draw uh, up none other than Zoa in his um, black uh, mafia BMW. <laughs> <laughs> get in, get in, he said. It's not safe here. <Presidential>
4: So, uh, yeah, he, he's a lot better.
1: and uh, he's, he's
4: actually not safe there.
0: No, it's
1: fine. Uh, it uh, it's great when you're accompanied by um, by Zoa doing his uh, silly gangster walk. He looks like <laughs> a real gangster so... walk. But we've got pictures of him, haven't we? We've
2: got a Zoa picture.
0: Um,
2: i have got pictures of mirror. Rather... Have you got any of those? Well, we've got pictures of Zoa and Mira, if, if you're lucky. Yeah, why don't you share that?
1: Yeah,
0: can you get to it before I can, Andy? Not. I've only got two, actually. I have I have, I have this one. I'm going to have to show you from the phone, though. Um, I have that one, okay. which actually I've just zoomed in on. So that's more mirror, but that's the actual photo. Can you see that or not? I don't know if you can.
2: Yeah, not not cool. well enough. I can only see the two guys. Could you, well, mirror deliberately down. <laughs>
0: there I you,
2: sure, sure. There you go, especially for you right there now. we go, thank you, oh, hold it still hold it still let me, let me, focus,
1: that's it focus. Oh, she,
2: she is absolutely the one of the most charming people I have met and I've met a lot of charming people in my life yeah, the other one terrific. I have
0: is, is, a, is, is an odd one this, this is, is James Trummel <laughs> I think.
2: that's a typical James let me, yes. typical James, there it is
1: yeah, it's one of those, should have gone to Specs.
2: You know, that we're at the magical uh, number, we're at the magical time of 1855. 1855 is when all the vines from uh, Bordeaux were classified, just in case anybody wants some you know, trivia. They, they, they,
4: never did in, they never did intend that to last as a... No.
2: Was, and, was it, done for the and it's a very stupid classification. Because it's based on the selling price of each wine. So yeah. the highest selling prices of the wines were given the first growth.
0: And Good idea for instant- a
2: topic.
4: From yeah. The there was I'll say. One, one crazy instance of a second growth that talked its way into becoming a first growth. There is, is yeah. Not- Speaking of which,
2: December 12th, there is a TAD hack in December where you would be able to hear my group play if you come over. In Paris? Yes, in Paris. Well, oh, we're going to have to come over. We'll always have Paris, James. At least you will if you come over. I'm trying to get Tim Patton's daughter, and she can sing with us, too, because she's a terrific singer. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. And Andy could sing with us. We'll figure something out. This is somebody who said, I'm giving up smoking. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, so my fine. reference to 1855 was that uh, we're coming up to the one-hour mark, and we either need to find a topic.
0: We have one suggested by Magic, and it's a good one too. Well, yeah, a, that's and that's good. Yeah, the last seconds are ticking off the US IPv4 network clock. We're going to, about to <clears> run out <throat> completely. of addresses. What's it going to make us do?
2: That's true that we've we've talked about that with Dan York a couple of times. But that's right. That my suspicion is that there are plenty of a bunch of these, and um, also places like. I don't know... Uh, UK, I don't know about, defense is
1: a good one, got a whole class
2: A. I don't know about Bluehost, yeah. but in my experience with Rackspace, uh, they must have a crap load, a truckload of IPv4 uh, addresses. My, my,
4: Microsoft bought a bunch from yeah. somebody, and, and uh, there's, the, there's a rumor afoot the last couple of days that the U.K.'s uh, government is adding a bunch to concerns in the U.S. and raising... Um, Hundreds of millions, well, a couple hundred million this way.
2: It's kind of like domain squatting. Really, uh,
1: what, I, what, I, what, what I'm curious about the UK MOT ones because I can't think of any other IP addressing spaces, big ones that the um, that UK government have.
4: Well, yeah. I the, I can't remember. I saw the story. It might have been on Light Reading or, or, or uh, one of those. But uh, the, the UK was actually they they had a, a significant swath. They're going to raise some a, a fair chunk of coin. Which was going to help your newly elected government, I think. Um, one of the things I'm curious <laughs> about is problems. There's, it's, there's come to light. Um, this idea that uh, IPv6 is actually presenting a problem with respect to the VPN that people have been using to shield themselves from uh, various evildoers. And there's a sort of a, in a lot of these, a lot of these sort of commercial VPN services, the IPv6 leaks.
1: Through uh. the I've got it now. I've got the story. These IP addresses actually belong to the Work and Pensions. <laughs> they, they managed to get a block of sixteen million addresses back in nineteen ninety-three, and they managed to sell the first hundred addresses to a Norwegian firm for about six hundred thousand pounds. Look at that Nicely saying, done. I mean, to
3: yeah. me is that if. If we're getting to the stage now where where people are actually prepared to pay, or having to pay to but to get IPv4 address space, got to surely accelerate the penetration of IPv6 because it's the cheap option, it's the free option.
2: Yeah. That's the idea.
4: Well, yeah, except that you know one has knowledge overhead where the other has eco overhead, right? And and so some people will be willing to pay because they can't take on board the skills fast enough for the scope of what they're hoping. But there's like a really good
3: business lines. case to actually bring somebody in and say, okay, let's let's look at an enterprise network. Because a lot of enterprise networks have, from you know the late 90s, who were early adopters, of the, have have got a significant amount of uh, private addre- uh, public address space. Uh, and there's got to be a business case for some of those guys to say, well, bring somebody in to actually look at a whole network across to IPv6, or at least private addressing, so that we can actually sell that stuff on.
2: This is a this is actually a huge problem, Keith. Uh, I uh, was working, which goes back a couple of years. Uh, I was very friendly with one of the IT, the main guy who ran the IT service for our client. It, was important. it wasn't like a corporation. It's a small company, but they had their service. And I said, well, what are you guys doing about IPv6? He says, oh, God, it's such a nightmare. And uh, this is a problem specifically with... I don't know, they've got maybe, let's say, 60 employees, but they have a lot of IT. And uh, it's one well, motors, yeah, okay, you just pay the millions and you get somebody in there and they do it. And if there's a time, there's a, there's a roadmap and a time schedule. But when you have a more moderate company, moderate size company, it's really hard. And uh, it would be a huge headache, like, to take things offline. They've got real-time stuff. They're monitoring VATs. This was in the one way. So they've got real time stuff. They've got all their. But uh, well, these days, most of it admin, is enabled. I mean, but, the
3: problem is the problem is if you've got any old stuff which is older than say eight. Yeah. But um, you know anything which is in the last ten years, I'd say, is IPv6 enabled, and probably actually, it's already. I wouldn't say used unless you've actually enabled it in 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 your kind of gateway routers. It's not going to route it anywhere. But it's certainly pretty much any any PC. Like, Windows, Linux, whatever. In the last ten years, including XP, has IPv6 enabled in it. That's right. But I think
2: uh, Keith, I think Ace, I think what they did is they had a huge block, huge for their size of company, of um, of of routable IPv4 addresses. That they I don't know how you know the network was obviously over ten years old. Hmm. As far as the equipment, yeah, the PCs are newer and they can do IPv6. Not necessarily the phones, by the way, but that's enough.
3: You don't even need to use it within the network. You can carry right. on using IPv4 private and just do a translation at the external.
2: Yeah, I, well, I think that – I don't know where they are now. I've been talking to him. He's a musician, too. It's really interesting. Just to go down the list of
1: assigned slash 8 blocks, just to see who's got them. So people like the General Electric Company, Level mm-hmm. 3, IBM, AT&T. Apple have got their own um, slash 8. Right. Ford Motor Company, Halliburton. Burton. Burton. which is the amateur radio digital communications computer. all right yes go well, I, what well, I'm, I'm intrigued about 56 in US, Berlin, yeah. what? In US
3: what what I'm intrigued about is the, um, the the commercial and legal implications of selling these IP addresses in theory they don't belong to you in theory RIPE or ARIN or whoever can actually turn around and say unless you're pr- you can prove that you're still using that block and that you've got good reason to use it we will use
2: that's very true uh, uh, and another good point too because because i'm sure there are huge blocks of stuff that were brought as hey look we better get this now and use
3: and if you're turning around and saying well, we don't need this anymore who wants to buy it then that's surely a case of saying well you obviously don't need it anymore
2: should be illegal yeah and here's
1: another interesting fact there are 13 8 networks 13 13- Owned by the U.S. Department of Defense, mm-hmm. and bearing in mind that they really don't want to be playing on the public internet, uh, that's rather odd addresses, isn't it? really? Yeah. But,
4: well, know. I have a sol- I have a solution to that. They should all get on Kim.com's new mega internet and uh, on the public internet. And that might solve the problem that they have with the hundred thousand XP workstations still in operation. They just paid sixty million and to
0: Microsoft. Not only that, they, they actually put him inside. They can sequestrate the whole network, and then they've got it.
4: <laughs> I I just think it's funny that they they paid sixty million to get XP support through the end of the year, uh, for these hundred thousand workstations. That well, that and that's not the DoD. That's just the Navy.
2: Didn't uh, the news was that. Windows 8 or 8.1 or something has surpassed XP in penetration, right? Well. So XP is no longer the number one that it was for a long time. Here's another interesting little fact factoid. Factoid. Uh, not surprisingly, the
1: U.S. are the biggest user, or as a country, of IP addresses. But guess where number two is? country. Us. No, it isn't. China? Germany? UK. Korea. Five, Korea is number six. Japan, India. Japan is number three. Oh, Canada 12. then. Canada is number eight. Oh, so on, who's number
0: two? Australia.
1: <laughs> number <laughs> eleven. Come on, come Japan. on. Uh, France is number seven. No, Norway. Russia. Russia. Uh No, Russia's thirteen. Denmark. Who has lots and lots of people? India.
3: China. I said China, i you yeah. back.
1: No, did you? I'm yeah. sorry, Keith. Yeah. No, China. Okay. China. And China has got of the order of uh, 330 million IP4 addresses.
0: So, one for every four people. Mm-hmm.
4: You see, Canada is in terms of having a limited address space until the Internet of Things reaches the point where we need to have an IP for every maple tree that we're tapping, <laughs> and then we're in trouble. Good one.
3: Hockey yeah. player.
1: Uh, well, in, boot. in terms of number of addresses per, um, per population, uh, the United States have got, uh, divide they've got about 4.9 addresses for every man, woman and child in the United States. Uh, that makes them the richest, with IP addresses. Whereas poor old India only has 28 IP addresses for every thousand population. So there you go. Cuba is a wondrous
4: thing, isn't yeah, it's it, it is, and and this is going to be interesting too, because probably the penetration of mobile, distributions between fixed and mobile devices is probably going to be quite different across different geographies.
3: I well, think. LTE, I think mandates IPv6 support, doesn't
4: it? it does. Really,
3: it doesn't. And I, I do think a lot of the um, scarcity is is partly invented, and but I, I think it's a good thing because you know there will be where we genuinely are exhausted and. And and it will become increasingly painful to
1: get look to that point. At me, I'm exhausted already. And
3: yeah, well yeah <laughs> Yeah but, but increasingly painful to get to that point in terms of administration and stuff like that and yeah. And, Randy, and people are basically sticking their heads in the sand. I mean email, by Randy. What were you saying? Check your Gmail. Check my
2: Gmail. I was just about to end this session. Oh, quickly, quickly, check it now. I sent you something. I,
4: so while we have while we we're excellent time. I have Thank I you. have a uh, a question about uh, about a coming VUC, and this is when we're going to have Grandstream, and we're going to have a SIP MCU for right. a limited number of people. Um, I lofted this idea; only Randy responded, but uh, the idea being that we would put uh, a handful of people on this SIP, and then bridge that into the hangout. Yep. Um, I guess uh, what I'm looking for is some sense of of who has what sort of that we could test with this to... What are you
0: looking for? What are yeah,
2: we'll, we Well, want? I think for, to get into the easy. details of this, we can do this privately, but uh, I do think it's a good idea. And okay. So let's, uh, let's call an end to the public part of this. I just want to mention, since we're talking about previews, uh, one week from today, an update on Astrocon. Um, is that David Duffet? I think it's going to be David Duffet. He's a lovely chap. He is, and he usually has chocolate mustaches. Uh, The 17th of July, let's go up to my vacation, okay? 17th of July, Test RTC. That's Sagi, who's going to join us. uh, Talking about testing RTC. Yeah, and it should be really, really interesting. He's always uh, compelling. Then the 24th, Michael is going to help us with... Michael, Aver, 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 Aver...
4: Oh, uh, Avier a- 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 v- is, uh, is uh, bringing a, a new video conference endpoint.
2: And then the 31st of July, I will be in California, so I don't know what the topic is going to be. But um, we are going to end this one. Good time to end it, I think. Should we end it with a 4400 cycle, uh, 400 hertz tone? No, probably not. Probably not. We're going to end it with this. So, it's a board give us uh, come back to us next week uh, and we'll be talking to Mr. Duffett, and probably uh, Matt will be with us and some of these stay tuned for the mature audience's version of the VUC any second now hey that was the bleeding edge of the IP communication. community we're at vuc.me on the web thanks to simwood.com who can turn you as a developer into a telco our hosted PBX is provided by onsip.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge and our local rate dial-in, VoxBone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time. See you next week